This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Brandon Miller. He is the CEO of 34 Strong, an organization that helps leaders and leadership teams build stronger workplaces. So, Brandon, thanks for joining me. Thanks, John. Pleasure to be here today. So, the the 34 Strong uh, borrows pretty heavily from the Clifton Strength Finder and its uh, 34 strengths. Um, I'm assuming um, because that's a big, or at least a starting point of your work. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about. Um, I guess the, the the influence of the 34 strengths on your work, but then also your affiliation with, with the Gallup organization. Absolutely. We've been partnering with Gallup strongly for the last eight years. I was uh, really fortunate to find myself in their inaugural class of certified global strengths coaches in 2013. And from there, the, 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 the launch pad, you know, we lifted. We lifted off and decided that the partnership had such opportunity that we wanted to make sure that what we branded aligned with the the strengths finder now called clifton strengths assessment and so here we are 34 strong go in and do exactly what you said try to help people build great places to work so i'm sure a lot of people are familiar at least even vaguely or maybe they've been asked to take one of the assessments or something but maybe maybe give us a little bit of background of the the strength finders and the, and the 34 strengths i know that's a you know we could spend an hour you know doing a summary of that but maybe you could wrap it up for us yeah, at a high level in 2003, I learned about this strength-based approach to development. So in thinking about people through the perspective of what is right with them, where are they strong, and let's position them to do that as much as we can in their workday, as opposed to what was then referred to as the deficit approach. Assess a person's abilities and just keep remediating. Try to get the best result by fixing what essentially is a weak area. Right. And I was captured with it. I had 28 staff at the time. I was inside of an organization and my job was to roll this out. And so everyone took this online assessment at the time they, they got their top five and we just began to see incredible results, John, communication, more effective collaboration. And then this language, it gave a language, some yeah. words to people to say, oh, you're an achiever. That means you like to really work hard. You have a lot of stamina. Ah, oh, you're a woo. You're a winning others or you're a gregarious outgoing. We got to put you out in front. So it just gave us language, gave us a methodology, a philosophy and uh, turned into my life's work. Well, I um, I think some uh, ability to understand ourselves better as well as uh, teammates better is obviously got some positive benefits. Do you ever find that that it can also be uh, constraining? Just as you started to say, oh, you're this. So you get to go over here. Um, and, and sometimes... Sometimes that works. Sometimes that's actually putting people in boxes, isn't it? Absolutely. So we're very careful to say that the the Clifton strengths aren't labels. So you don't you don't just need to wind people up based on these results. They have to validate it. There's there's literally the odds of someone having the same five in the same order as someone else is one in thirty three million. So we like to say there's thirty three million different combos. And so my achiever might be very different from someone else's achiever. Thirty three percent of people that take this assessment have achiever in their top five. Well, we're all going to look slightly different. So you can't, you can't just pull it out of the can, but you can find the common vein, right? Oh, well, perhaps this fits based on that. And then it always comes back to the test of, well, does it produce? Does it produce the results we hope? 
So how do you find, what are the, some of the practical ways, and I'm sure you've done this where people have taken it and they all went, okay, great. I, you know, I know some new things or I agree with some new things, but how do they use this as a way to kind of strengthen their team communication, productivity, all the things that they really want, right? So interestingly enough, our primary focus, we get into organizations and spend time with managers. So if we can provide middle managers with tools to understand themselves first, you said it well for self-awareness, yeah. and then understand, well, who, who am I working with on this team? And can we can we integrate more than the language, John? Can we integrate this idea of looking at each other this way and positioning people, as Jim Collins would say, right seat on the bus, Right. And so that, that really is where we have found moves the organization. We call it the forgotten middle. A lot of managers find themselves in the role without a lot of clarity of what do I do now? Yeah. And, and that's the real practical takeaway for most yeah. business leaders that hear this. I, I was the best salesperson. So now I got to manage all these idiots. <laughs> right. and, and unfortunately, you're not managing yourself, right? You don't get a bunch of yous that you're managing. So you got to actually figure out, well, who are these individuals and how do I make them tick and how do I get them moving in a direction that works for them and the and the company? So I suspect that that, that becomes a bit of a challenge for some leaders who, who maybe in their heart want to do the right thing. But, hey, that's a lot more work. Oh, you need to be talked to this way. And, you know, you're motivated by this thing. Um, you know, all of a sudden it's like, do you find leaders are like, how do I keep score? That's right. <laughs> I mean, even if even if I'm getting better results, you know, it's like, do I got to, you know, because because I think the real challenge with a lot of leaders is it just, you know, they got, they got a ton of stuff coming at them all day long, too. And now all of a sudden it's like, I mean, it's like parent, right? How often is it easy to go just do it because I told you to? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, it's this idea that, John, you're going to pay it now or pay it later. <laughs> so if you pay it, pay now, put the extra effort in to know, know this team member, know, know how to best motivate them, know in which ways they learn the best, know in which ways they fit the role that you're asking, how much time they require, or based on the expectations not being met, we're going to, we're going to have to pay this anyway and reduce. We're going to have to pay this anyway and unsatisfied people. And that, that seems to be what catches because our, our overarching metrics or our scoreboard becomes employee engagement. And we want to look at percentages before percentages during percentages afterward, because if we can move that number, if you will, if we can see that scoreboard, we know underneath that are going to be a lot of the key performance indicators that most, most owners, business leaders are going to go, okay, now that has the right return on investment. That makes sense. And that's really the business case for where 34 spends a lot of our time. Yeah, and I, I suspect if nothing else, you know, just just getting people to actually talk about expectations and to communicate with each other about, you know, things that maybe go unsaid, I, I think, or, or at least invite communication. I think right, right off the bat, that probably generates some benefits, doesn't it? Totally. So the, the, the one of the coolest benefits that I think even in my experience back in 2003 was a collegial work environment. Focusing on strengths is it creates a positive vibe, right? Now we're looking at each other this way. And Don Clifton, the founder of Strengths Finder, you know, he said, I didn't uncover something new. This strengths approach was already readily used in athletics, performing mm -hmm. arts. It's something most of us go, Yeah, I've done this. This yeah. isn't new to me. We're just applying it into the management space. And so it opens up. It, it's it, you know, a lot of a lot more humor, a lot more ability to say, oh, that's why you're that way. Oh, and those ahas can become really helpful. 
All right. So it's uh, February of 2020 and I got this dialed in. Uh, everybody's working together, everybody's communicating. And now all of a sudden we're not in the same building anymore. <laughs> what, have, what have you found that, uh, um, what, what's really kind of rocked? I mean, everything's rocked people's boats, but I mean, from a leader standpoint, what's, what's really been the hardest thing in, in maybe in some cases going remote for the first time? Yeah, I think it. So the number one indicator of whether or not an employee will or will not engage for you is do they know what's expected? That's number one. And when expectations change, are we leaving it for them to sort or are we taking that extra effort to say, now that you're here and I'm here, as far as we know, because this had the common phrase, as far as we know, this is what we're going to work on now. Are, Are we are we clear? Are we there? And then number two, John was the reality that in a time of confusion and uncertainty and just looking around and bewilderment, remembering that people do well with positive reinforcement. Yep. And if they, if they needed it before the pandemic, right. during the pandemic, take whatever you were doing, hopefully it's at least something, and double it. Just, yeah. just we call it commending the common. Give people some positive reinforcement because whether or not you, as a, as a resilient business leader, know you need it, I, I promise you the team that you're leading – that, that, that just centers, that helps yeah. us to gravi- gravitate toward, I know where I'm at. I know I'm being appreciated. At least in this space, I have some solid things to hold on to, even if the world isn't giving me that right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you find that, uh, that, that people do these assessments sometimes and really start talking about what they mean to them? And, and you know, there's almost a realization that you're maybe not in the right role. Oh, very, very often, <laughs> very often people find out, I think I, I think I landed in the, in the wrong spot. In fact, John, I've had them go back to, I think I was in the wrong major. <laughs> I, think, I think I took the wrong turn. And a lot of it has to do with expectations. We're trying to live up to expectations in our life. Often the people who raised us, but not, not only them, our own. Sure. And, and we get down a path thinking, well, this is, this is the way, this is just yeah. what I'm supposed to do. And so that, that awakening happens. And thankfully there's, there's there's a there's a graceful way to make that off ramp. Um, more than people leaving careers, though, John, I tell you, the number one place where we watch transition is someone who said yes to management, realizing I'm a really good individual contributor. I yeah. don't belong managing. Yeah. That uh, that's actually a, a welcome conversation in yeah. the work that we do. And I suspect that that actually happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, they got into the thing to do the thing, and then all of a sudden it grew to a point where now their job is to manage people doing the thing. Yeah, and it's no offense to my entrepreneur friends out there, but we make terrible managers. <laughs> terrible. We're great at the the innovation, the vision, the the, the doing the thing. Um, but uh, one of the best hires, thirty four strong made, was a gal named Aaron Harrison. And I'll tell you right now, uh, just the most amazing people manager. And for my partner and I, we realized if we don't have her, we're not gonna we're not gonna sustain growth very well yeah. because we're gonna expect of them what we did to build the thing. And that's not realistic. <laughs> They're not the founders. So it, it was, it, it's a, it's a move that I think entrepreneurs sometimes get too early. Sometimes it takes them, they're a little late to the party. I think when we wake up to, we realize that is, as Gallup says, the number one hire that you will ever make in your organization. The number one title is who you name manager of your people. Yeah. Yeah. It's become actually uh, an entire industry. I, we used to, uh, we used to call it HR um, and, you know, which was basically where you went to get your benefits package, I think. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly this idea of people ops has become a 
not 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 even a silo, but it's really become, I think, uh, uh, you know, at the strategic level for a lot of organizations. Absolutely. You know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. Uh, won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to, to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make a, them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. All right. So I asked you if people find that they're sometimes in the wrong job because you've probably looked at maybe thousands and thousands of these strength finders. Do you start seeing patterns where people where you're actually able to say that doesn't surprise me that those, you know, that I mean, to where you can almost start saying, well, you're this or you're probably going to see this. I mean, are you, are you getting to the point where you, you feel like you can almost uh, do it without an assessment? Almost, almost. I, I, I try to remain in a space where I, I can be open hearted and minded yeah. in talking because people surprise us. People are sure. dynamic and they have ways they adapt themselves to their. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I, I try to be open, but we definitely meet personality types and people that you you go, well, that just makes sense. You seem to be in the right role and you can validate it around. And, and yes, with with pretty good accuracy, I could pretty much tell what most of what's going to come up in their in their strongest strengths i happen to have a strengths 34 uh results in front of me here um so i'm i'm gonna give you three guesses to get one of my five strategic <laughs> no communication no oh i'm gonna be let's see i'm gonna say ideation <laughs> I failed. I completely failed. I went over three. I went over three. <laughs> Tell me yeah. your five. All right. So this may – you don't know me well enough to, to – th this won't come as a shock, um, but I'm probably not your typical, typical entrepreneur. Uh, connectedness, activator, relator, empathy, adaptability. <laughs> well, the activator for sure. <laughs> the activator for sure. That actually is an entrepreneur strength yeah, yeah. for sure. The others denote just a – just a warmth, a, a people connection, and no surprise, you know, what we're doing. So I took my gamble, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I put you on the spot there, but I'm, I'm more of a relationship builder, I suppose, than some some uh, typical entrepreneurs, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. Thank you for the shot. <laughs> I think my team will get a good kick out of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... <laughs> A lot of, uh, I personally believe this, you can't really start relating to other people until you have some, you know, self-knowledge. <laughs> um, and you mentioned that as well. So turning that around, how do others benefit? Especially, you know, a lot of times we see this leadership thing is so hierarchical. Yeah. <clears throat> but how do other people benefit by knowing the traits of the leader? Yeah, I'll tell you, they, there's four styles to really great managers. And without going through all, I'll tell you the best one. And we call it authoritative management. And it's where you get the best of people and process. And and very few of us naturally start off good at both. And yeah. so sometimes just the clues around my personality and what do I need and what do I give helps to align me to know, look, every every organization needs to attend to both. You can't have 
you know, the people development part of your job without the operational development. So learning to do both. And so when leaders know theirs and their teams know who they are, they know how, how we're aspiring, how we're moving in that direction. And I feel like for most of us leaders, I think, I think our team seeing us grow and in that mindset that we are always learning and developing ourselves inspires confidence. I want to follow that person because they're not, they're not all the way there and they're not looking back just to say, Hey, I'm on the mountaintop, you know, good luck getting up here. It's, Hey, here's my hand. Let's go. We're climbing together. You know, there's so many things that, uh, that are brought into the workplace to build leaders and to get communication going, you know, all those kinds of things that, that we feel as positives. Um, I suspect, and I know you agree with this, <laughs> that a lot of that work could be done in the home mm. as well. I mean, how, how, you know, how many people go to all these classes and, and work on themselves and work on the relationships? And then, you know, there's they've got that relationship that they've been in for 30 years at home where they've never had this conversation before. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, the most empowering and impactful parts of Clifton strengths and this whole mindset happened in my marriage first. Yeah. It was, if I'm going to do this at work and I'm caught up with this idea, my number one strength is maximizer. I love the good to great. I love building on strengths. Well, I better go home and figure that out with my wife who also happened to be a maximizer. And and we both just really gravitated toward, toward this perspective. And I'll tell you, we, we joke about this sometimes. I mean, we saw the 10-year argument <laughs> between yeah. us, yeah. how we looked at things, sure. and how we were raising our kids. And that's some of, you know, any psychometric assessment can help you get there if you if your mind is open. If you're if you're in a growth mindset and you're willing to to be humble and yeah. and, and appreciative of others, it's pretty amazing the the opportunities you have as you as you start to apply tools and 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 thought processes like this. Yeah, do you do you work with um, because a lot of we were talking about before we got started a lot of a lot of small businesses particularly are are very family oriented, very family run. Do you end up uh, doing some some personal work, you know, with, with family members uh, as well as kind of trying to get the business uh, on track? Most certainly have. So half of our company is in the public sector. The other half is private sector, almost entirely family owned businesses, almost exclusively succession situations, siblings, you know, learning how to lead a company together. So we find ourselves often uh, been in, in work with some family boards and help to move through some of those challenges. So it is inevitably an opportunity for families to hit some resets around how they see each other. We have longstanding views of yeah. who brother was when he was 15, not, not 45 <laughs> and, and how to not carry some of those forward, see the people for who they are now and who they can grow into. Yeah, it is funny. You know, you go back for holidays or whatever, and all of a sudden everybody reverts to their, you know, family uh, pecking order, don't they? They do. Uh, so you um, have also written a book called Incredible Parent. Um, is that you co-wrote that with your wife? Is I did. Right? I yeah. did. Uh, which is going to be out in, you know, depending upon when you're listening to this, January of 2021. Um, have you taken a great deal of the work, uh, your experience, as well as the the uh, the 34 uh, traits and, and made that a part of this? Actually, it's 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 its own language. So what we did, we have a partner. His name is Dr. Ryan Darby. My wife and I partnered with him to develop essentially what you could think of as the parent strengths finder. So locating your parenting strengths and how do you apply those? And uh, so that that was just an awesome adventure, learning all the ins and outs of how you do that, and then just applying this idea of if I if I instruct you on how to be a great strengths based manager, 
There's some really cool tools on how to become a strengths-based parent. And I'll tell you, personally, as a father of seven, so much more rewarding (laughs) to see the impact in the family and the impact with those relationships. You know, work relationships may come and go. Your family's forever. And knowing how to interface there is such such an important part of our leadership. So do your children ever say, oh, I know what you're doing, Dad. (laughs) They always do. (laughs) My number one parenting strength is I'm a trainer. Yeah, <laughs> think of that as I, I I set the boundaries. I'm the one that is is mo- you know motivating and moving them into their goals, and I'm constantly thinking about how to develop them. And they see me coming, and yeah, so yeah. I've learned how to to because we teach you know through this book. Here's the best parts of that trainer, but here's the part you know parent don't overplay this. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. <laughs> so my trainer can easily move from this coach and developer yeah. to this authoritarian and command and control. And there's a harsh side. And I, and I've had to wrestle with that, I had to wrestle with that natural part of me to move and do the best. And that's my kids notice it. And they, and they're, they're the best barometer. Teenagers are truth tellers and sometimes all the worst ways you don't want to know. Um, but if you're open to listen, you can learn a lot from them. Of course, you know, writing a parenting book is is putting a target squarely on your back. You realize that, don't you? I tell people, as soon as you write it, six <laughs> months later, you know you're disqualified. <laughs> you know for sure. Right, well, what business did I have writing the book? I just broke my own stuff. <laughs> so, right. So, so they're on the soccer field or the baseball field. You you know, you yelling at the ref is just, you know, <laughs> it's going to have people going, oh, yeah, great, great, incredible parent he is. Huh? <laughs> and uh, and uh, for anyone listening that's seen me do that, I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I, you know, I was just, you know, using that as an example, but uh, no, absolutely. But uh, uh, so that book, that book, Incredible Parent will be out in, as I said, January of 2021. And uh, appreciate you stopping by the, the duct tape marketing uh, podcast, uh, Brandon, tell people where they can find out more about uh, 34 strong in your work as, as well as uh, anything else you want to share. Yeah, 34strong.com. You can learn all about how we help organizations build great places to work. And incrediblefamily.com. Learn all about what makes you an incredible parent. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by, and hopefully we'll run into you uh, someday when we get back out there on the road again. Thanks, John.